throwing back. Touchdown! Weinholt with the kill, and Warner wins the set. Fade away by Moores. In play with Craig Mavic, made possible by the exclusive support of Lake Area Technical College. It is you. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. Today's guest had a great basketball career in high school and in college and professionally and also as a college coach. She was the first four-year letter winner in the history of Sioux Falls boys or girls basketball. A Gatorade Player of the Year, not only in basketball but in track. Still has one of the AA State Girls Basketball Tournament scoring records. And she had other records, too, until Mitchell's Macy Miller broke those. Also a cancer survivor and a mom. From her home in Colorado Springs, Colorado, at Sioux Falls, Lincoln great Steph Schuler. Steph, welcome to In Play. Thank you, Craig, for having me on. Are you still surprised you still have one of those state tournament records? It was most points in a semifinal game. You put up 43. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even know until you just mentioned that, that I still had that. But I think the reason I scored so many points, I think we went to a couple overtimes. So that gave me gave me a little extra time. <laughs> was that against Brookings or Yankton that year? I think it was 1985. Was Yankton. Yankton. Um, I think Sarah Manis was one of their stars. Um, was that Bob Winter was the coach, yep, I believe? Yep. Yes, he was. Oh, yeah. We were playing, I think the state tournament was in Watertown, but it went to... At least one or two overtime. So, yeah, that was a pretty exciting game. <laughs> Lincoln had uh, made it to the state basketball tournament all four years of your high school career. Pierre uh, and Yankton, Brookings, they were all the top teams those years that you were playing. But that uh-huh. state tournament, what was it like that freshman year at Lincoln? You know, something that you had never experienced before. Well, it was a little overwhelming. You know, there's quite a few people there. I think it was in Watertown my freshman year, but. You know, I was um, coming off the bench my freshman year with the Thomas Twins, Michelle Welder, Darla Wink, Kathy Bates. Kathy and Char Bates were kind of my mentors. So I was super exciting and just kind of gave me a little experience leading into the, you know, my sophomore through my senior year. Well, Brookings and Sioux Falls Lincoln had a pretty good rivalry during your high school career. Brookings, of course, had yeah. Amy Mickelson, uh, Renee Solquist, the Twin Towers. Yep. Uh, you know, they were both 6'3". You had Paula Kenefick as well. And, of course, you were a sophomore mm-hmm. in 84. And that would, that would what was the buildup for that state championship game that year, the first time that Lincoln had been in that title game against Brookings? Yeah, it was a big, uh, big rivalry through the year. I know we played, I believe, at Lincoln the regular season that year. I'm not sure, though, but I think they did beat us. But, you know, just the, the big rivalry. Um Big hype. I think it was in Mitchell that year. Um, I think it was it was a great game. Obviously, you know, they beat us, and um, the Twin Towers were, were a dominant factor in girls' high school basketball with their size. Not many post players at any high school in the state, yet alone South Dakota or across the country, were that size. And now you see point guards that are six feet. You don't see many point guards that are 5'3 in, in college anymore. So their, their size was definitely a dominant factor that we couldn't overcome in high school. Yeah, how did you match up with them? What was the strategy going up against the Twin Towers? Well, you know what? That was how many years ago? <laughs> um, you know, stay out of the paint, probably, because they block our shot. Mm-hmm. Probably our strategy. 
Um, and we didn't have the three-point ball then, you know. So try to double team and make them kick it out of the paint and hit our outside shots. And we managed to keep the game close. But having two of them, it was just, you know, too difficult overall. You know, the following year, it's 1985, you're back at the state tournament, you're a junior, and that's mm-hmm. when you uh, scored 43 points uh, in that semifinal game. Um, Brookings was ranked number three in the USA Today National Basketball Poll that year. Boy, mm-hmm. there were some pretty dominant teams in that tournament uh, back in 1985. Yeah, there was. There were some good high school girls basketball players with Kind of fact, didn't she go to Dartmouth, mm-hmm. I believe, or somewhere in the Ivy League? And then, yeah, went to yeah, Yale. Amy. Oh, Yale, that's right. I knew it was Ivy League, yeah. And then Amy with uh, Washington. You know, Washington. But, yeah, there was, just, there was a lot of talent that year. And I remember even when I went to college at University of Iowa, I think it was my sophomore, junior year, we were hosting the second round of the NCAA tournament. And guess who? who came into Carver-Hawkeye Arena, um, uh, Vanderbilt and Renee. <laughs> Salt I was twist. thinking, okay, maybe maybe we'll get her this year, you know, and they ended up upsetting us, um, which was obviously disappointing. But, um, no, it was great. There was a lot of great talent, and overall it just makes everybody, you know, everybody else's talent rise when you compete with such great athletes was against it, athletes. Was it a disappointment for you uh, being at the state tournament as a freshman and a sophomore and as a junior, and you really couldn't get the title? Yeah, it was, especially my senior year. I was extreme when we lost to Yankton, and we were up by, I don't even know, five, ten points at halftime, and just couldn't close the deal. It was very disappointing, and I apologized to Coach Luther that we couldn't get it done, and and uh, um, but I know there was more basketball to come in college and, you know, the track season. And we kind of won the state championship in track. So it was kind of bittersweet. So at least we got one there for Lincoln. Yeah, your senior year, you lose by five uh, to the Gazelles. Uh, Lisa Van Gore, I think, was on that team. Wasn't That's she? right. Yeah. yeah. Another great player. Yeah. Oh, what was that? It was, it was Brookings and Yankton getting in the way for Sioux Falls Lincoln girls basketball. Yeah. We couldn't get past them, but you know what? It gave the crowd some good basketball, that's for sure. <laughs> Remind us who some of your teammates were on those Lincoln Girls State Tournament teams. Well, Kim Corey was my running mate in the back. She ended up going playing softball at Augustana. Um, yeah, Kim and I, uh, Chris Dunlap, she was a year older than I was. She'd be, she'd be the dangerous threat from the baseline. Um, Terry Brown, Sandy Squillis, Angie Butts. Um, and I know I'm missing some and I apologize. It's been so many years, but we had such a great chemistry, um, not only, you know, basketball wise, but just our relationship. And I think that's so important is that we all trusted and we had that loyalty going on and we had a great coach with Bill Luther. Um, so, you know, we had a, we had a great squad and they won a lot of games and it was just a lot of fun. Was everything surrounding Steph Schuler? Did did Bill Luther make uh, that offense around you, or how? What, uh, no. what made it? What made it tick? I tried not to. I mean, I don't think it's not an individual sport. I mean, you know, I'm not going to win a basketball game for our team. It's going to take the other four as well. So I think it was a well balanced group, and that's what took us to the next level. Tell me about Coach Luther and what he meant for Lincoln girls basketball. Oh, he was great. He was like my second dad. You know, he just, he was strict. He was disciplined. Um, he knew the X's nose, but yet he was compassionate um, to all the girls and there for him when they needed anything and stuff. And he was just a great, great coach, great mentor, and I couldn't ask for a better high school coach. Yeah, of course, your dad, 
Oren was the mm-hmm. men's basketball coach at uh, the University of Sioux Falls back in the 80s. And I'm assuming since your season was in the fall, we have to remember that, you played in the fall. Did your dad have more opportunities to see you play since the seasons was in the fall before his season really got started? Yeah. Yeah, back then it was Sioux Falls College. He was coaching. Um, you know what? I think he, he missed some games because of the – the fall season, but I know he, he made it too, but there was a few times at the state tournament that he'd try to catch it on the radio when he was coming back from his games, but um, he would try to balance it and do the best he could. But, you know, being in, when I went to college in Iowa City, it was six and a half hours from Sioux Falls. So my parents, and we played on Friday and Sunday in the Big Ten, so they would try to come down um, for the games, especially on Sunday, and try to get as many home games as they, they could. And that's one reason that I chose Iowa. It came down to Iowa and Louisiana Tech back back then when Louisiana Tech was coached by Barmore and a powerhouse then. But I was just like, Louisiana Tech is too far for my family, you know, to come down and watch and, and stuff. So I kind of wanted to stay closer to Sioux Falls but go to a well-established Division One program, which Iowa was at the time under Coach Stringer, who's now currently at Rutgers. I imagine. I, w- I would love to be uh, a little – a little uh, fly in the corner at the dinner table at the uh, Schuler household when dad, uh, <laughs> who's uh, of course a basketball coach and his daughter is a big time basketball player. What, what were some of those dinners like? Oh, you know, he would, he wouldn't talk about it when I wanted to, too, but he uh, wouldn't push the issue, but all the, the home visits that we had, you know, when I was in high school was interesting and kind of narrowing it down to, the final five visits and stuff and he just just left it up to me he would give me his two cents worth but he's like this is your decision this is where you're going to spend four years of your life you need to go where you're going to be comfortable he's like this isn't my decision I can tell you where I would want you to go but that's not going to make you happy (laughs) so you know he was he was great he was a dad but he 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 was a coach but he was also my dad and he knew he knew the balance you know so um yeah when push came to shove then obviously he, he's like, he chose the right one because that's where he ultimately wanted me to go. <laughs> Were you so. uh, the kind of kid shooting hoops out in the driveway at night as a kid with uh, the car's lights uh, shining on uh, the driveway, always playing basketball as a kid? Oh, yeah. my mom, We'd play horse all the time, and then my dad, we would go after church on Sundays up to Sioux Falls College, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he'd open the gym and we'd shoot and play, you know, toss the football around and play some hoops and stuff but when I was even younger than that so I went to Renberg school I think it was my kindergarten year or first year and I'd be out in the driveway and we didn't have a basketball hoop so I would just go out there and dribble and then throw it up on the roof and catch it and throw it up on the roof that would be my basketball hoop Hmm. back in the day so wherever there's no excuse you you can still work on your fundamentals you don't even need a basketball hoop you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, were there players at Lincoln or other players in Sioux Falls or maybe around town when you were even before you were even in varsity that you looked up to and said, Hey, I want to play like them. Yeah. I remember going to, and and I looked up to her now. I can't remember her name, but when I was in at Patrick or even Horace, Mann, I would go to the Lincoln games and I would look up to those girls and, you know, and, and just be like, wow, I want to be, you know, play here someday and be as good as they are and this and that. And, that's why when I was in ninth grade, my dad's like, in order, if you want to be a better player too, you got to compete against the best. And he actually talked to me about back then we had to petition up to go and play at the high school level because Patrick was seventh through ninth grade. Uh-huh. So I was a little nervous to do that because I don't want to leave my friends and, you know, but 
ended up working out. I think at a board meeting about it and, and they petitioned me up to go up to the high school level. And that was, so I'd leave Patrick Henry every day after school, then go up to Lincoln to practice my ninth grade year, um, which I think overall helped my confidence level and my game to go and compete against the high school girls when I was in ninth grade. I think that it overall helped my game. Mid-80s girls basketball in South Dakota, my goodness, was there talent out there. We've talked about some of these names already. Uh, a lot of them went on to play Division One basketball. Brookings' Amy Mickelson went to Washington. Renee Solquist uh, of Brookings went to Vanderbilt. We mentioned mm-hmm. uh, Kennefick of Brookings went to Yale. I mean, that was an amazing team, three Division One right. players with Brookings. But you went to Iowa and won three straight Big Ten championships. What was your role? for Iowa? Uh, I was the point guard, off guard. Because um, I know, I remember when I went on my official visit there, and they were the top 10 in the country. So, and I just saw the, you know, 10,000 people there, and I was like, this is where I want to go and play. Um, so it was more just to be, just to be a leader. Like, you know, the point guard, being be an extension of Coach Stringer out on the court, and that's what I tried to do. What was the biggest impact of uh, your life when you're playing college basketball in Iowa? It's, like you said, much bigger crowds watching you than here in South Dakota. Just, just quite an experience. It was just to stay grounded, you know, and stay focused and stay – because the team, as being a point guard, the team is an extension of you. You need to stay, um, you know, ice water in your veins. That's what, That was always my motto because they're going to feed off what I do. So I always tried to stay focused on what was going on, make sure everybody was on the same page offensively, defensively, and make sure that I was, um, yeah, just grounded and, you know, and kind of in control of the situation. That kept everybody else in control. You finished third in Iowa history in assists and steals. Not necessarily the the point-scoring score that you were in high school. Was that something you had to adjust to? Um, it was at first just because there, everybody there was a McDonald's all American, you know, it was different. It wasn't high school at all. It was, everybody came from their state and were superstars. So everybody kind of had to, you know, fill their role and kind of, um, work their way into the lineup, you know? So it, it definitely took, took a while. It was hard coming from, you know, averaging 20 some points to average, you know, to playing 10 minutes a game my freshman year. But I knew if I put the hard work in, which I did, my time would come and to stay focused, but to ultimately know that I was there for my education first, um, you know, because basketball, you couldn't obviously do that forever, especially back then. They didn't have the WNBA. No, no. So, but you uh, you had a chance to go play professionally, but you had to go to what? Luxembourg and play in Belgium. How did you make yeah. that decision? Yeah, I played over there for in Belgium and Luxembourg City for four years until I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Um, and then I came back and did treatment and did that and, um, and then started coaching. I always think God has a plan. And I looked at it, the glass has always been half full for me. So I looked at that as, okay, God's ready for me to come back to the States closer to my family and start pursuing my coaching career, that my playing career um, was coming to an end. Um, so, yeah, it was it was quite a story, and that was back in 1996 when I was diagnosed uh, with thyroid cancer in November, and I quit the team early and came back and 
um, had thyroidectomy, neck dissection, seven-hour surgery, three radioactive iodine treatments, external radiation, the whole nine yards. So it just keeps everything in perspective when you go through something that's serious with your health. You know, that's not always about basketball. It's about, you know, your family and just just doing the right thing, being kind and putting God first. And it just it really is a aisle. And I was 28 years old. You know, when you're in your 20s, you think you're invincible. I was like, I'm not sick. I'm just out of shape. So I would train more. I'd run more. I'd be like, why am I so tired? I didn't know my body was fighting off cancer. Um, so it just keeps things in perspective and, and uh, just keeps you grounded when you go something, you know, go through something that serious. Yeah, when did you first notice that something was wrong before you found out you had thyroid cancer? Um, I, uh, it was, I probably had it for a good six to eight months. Um, and then I went back overseas and played. I'm like, that's oh, nothing. I'm fine. You know, I'm <laughs> 27 at the time, almost 28 and just kept, just kept going. And then finally I was just extremely tired and chilled and cold. I'm like, something's going on. So I, they ran a few tests over in Belgium and, and they just said that you need to go back to the United States and get this taken care of, but they didn't tell me what it was. Quit the team, flew home, did tests all day, found out what was going on, and then I had a seven-hour, like I said, thyroidectomy, neck dissection. This all happened within six days. So it was kind of, you know, I was up in Minneapolis, so it was kind of a, kind of a whirlwind situation, but I think having my health and being so young, because it was almost stage four, that helped me survive um, the cancer, quite honestly. You were pretty determined as a player. Were you determined not only to beat cancer, but to go back and play basketball? Um, you know what? At that time, then I was done after that, and then I started coaching at the University of Missouri. It was my first job, but I, I would tell myself when I was laying up in the hospital, up in the cancer ward, going through treatment, I'm like, if I can handle Coach Stringer's practices, I can handle anything. <laughs> she was one of the toughest ladies I've ever met and so inspirational and inspiring that I'm like, there's no way that this is going to take me down, you know? And I think just being an athlete and what I went through as uh, at Iowa and even Lincoln and track and everything helped me with the experience um, to fight this cancer. The toughness, was it more mental or was it more physical? I think it was both. Um, but if, you know, they always say what basketball is 80, 90% mental so um yeah honestly i think it you don't have that positive attitude and that fighting attitude and fight and determination like you do as an athlete which i did then <laughs> when that cancer is that far along if you're not going to have that type of attitude it's hard to beat it and i think sports really helped me thrive and and beat the cancer and you know 20 what five years later here i am <laughs> One other note about your professional basketball career. Any players that you played with or against in the Big Ten that also played with or against you in Belgium or uh, Luxembourg? Actually, no. It's just different players that I met when I was over there because in Belgium and Luxembourg, you could have one professional player on the team from another country. So I just met other players, one from American University, and gosh, it was so long ago, but... But no, nobody that I had played against when I was at Iowa that I played against overseas. So you're done with your professional basketball career. You uh, have uh, beaten thyroid cancer, and by golly, here comes coaching into your life. How did that job as an assistant at Missouri come about? 
Um, you know, I was just starting to, to look for different jobs. And I contacted Coach Stringer and asked if she, you know, she had so many different connections. And, and Joanne Rutherford was the head coach at Mizzou then. And she knew her and got me an interview. And that's where I, where I started. And then, you know, my connections just rolled from there. Um, you know, Leslie Crane was our recruiting coordinator at Missouri. And then Joanne retired. And then Leslie got the head job at Western Illinois and asked me to come along and be her assistant. And then the connections you just keep building over the years. Um, you know, it's almost kind of like a, a military lifestyle is the college coaching. You know, you don't win and you're out three years later or five years later. So it's hard to have a family with the, the coaching and all the traveling, not only for the games, but the recruiting. And that's one reason that I didn't go back now when the twins were born. Um, you know, I just didn't want to go have them go from school to school. And um, that's one reason that I did get out of the coaching world too. Well, what, it's, it's, it's Western Illinois, then it's Buffalo. You got Stetson, you got Southern Miss, and then Air Force. Mm-hmm. My goodness, that, that's a lot of moving. What were those connections like in all those uh, uh, locations? Yeah, there was different connections all over. And like you said, you have to go somewhere when where the job takes you. Um, so, yeah, it's just you just build the connections and people know know you and um, they get jobs and, you know, they ask you to come in for an interview or offer you the assistant job and, it was, it was, it's been great. Um, but it, like I said, it's just a lot of time, a lot of time on the phone, you know, summers, July recruiting, fall recruiting now, home visits, traveling during your season. It's just a lot of time away from the family. Yeah. So you have to kind of prioritize and everybody's in, you know, different and they're going to prioritize in their, their specific way for what they want. But as far as for me, I would rather have my kids know my name than be out recruiting all the time. What did uh, your dad, the coach, say when you were going to be a coach? <laughs> um, I think he always knew that because I told him when I was at Iowa that I wanted to coach. Um, so I, it was, it's been something that I've wanted to do ever since, you know, I was little. So I think he was excited because then he would always try come to some of the games and try to talk to me about what are you guys running? What do you guys, what's, what's the game plan for, <laughs> for uh, Boise state? What's the, you know, so he was still involved with it. And he's like, he always was like, well, if you guys have an assistant job open, I could come over there and help you all out. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, my dad, so. Um, Air force. Um, Andrea Williams is there. What what is the relationship between you two and at Air Force for the for that time? Yeah, she was the head coach here. She's actually at I believe Fort Wayne State now down in Georgia. Um, she was an assistant at University of South Florida um, when I was at University of Southern Mississippi. And then she, I didn't really know of her, but she knew of my playing days at Iowa, and she contacted me when she had an assistant job open. And my brother went to the Air Force Academy. Um, so I, I had been out here before, so I knew what a beautiful city it was and what a gorgeous, um, you know, campus and everything that it, that it was. So yeah, I came out here, I think it was 2010 or 11, somewhere around there and been out, been out here ever since. But yeah, Andrea, we still keep in touch. She's a, she's a good friend of mine and, and, uh, yeah, she's, uh, was great working for her. You stopped coaching in 2015 to become a mother of twins. Were you concerned yeah. once you found out that you were pregnant with twins, knowing that uh, you had beaten thyroid cancer? 
uh, not really. No. Um, so, no, it's just kind of something I always wanted to do, too, besides coach uh, basketball and, and play professionally and play Division One and also be a mom. So, kind of filling the bucket list now. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there twins in the family, or is this the first in uh, the Schuler line of having twins? No, it's the first. Yep. No, there's no, nobody else. So, so yeah. So it's been it's been another adventure in my life of raising these two. So one's a boy and one's a girl. Are they are they they're seven now? Are they are they going to be basketball players? Uh, they're actually in the basketball league right now, and I went to their game yesterday, and it was it was killing me <laughs> because my my daughter just runs around and plays mirror tag with one of the other girls on the team, and doesn't have a clue. And then my son is aggressive, but I need to work on his shooting a little bit, but I don't know. I'm just trying to open the doors and have them experience some different things. And then they can decide what they want to do when they get older. So what keeps you busy today? Uh, my twins. <laughs> You're not coaching well, right definitely. now. No coaching What's right that? now. No coaching right now. No, no coaching. Just taking care of them and bringing them to their swimming lessons and doing all that and keeping the house you know, together and stuff. And just a, just a different aspect of my life and a different, something different. So, um, I'm enjoying it and love it. And I miss basketball. Yes. But I also love being a mom. It's the 50th anniversary of title nine. How interesting would it have been Steph without title nine? You probably would only have been, uh, you had track and field to, uh, be busy with. Um, you were, of course, a two-time state champ in the 100, the 200, the 400-meter dash. Were there other offers to compete in track in college, and did you consider doing track instead of basketball? No, I never considered that, um, and I actually never considered doing both. But um, there were some Division two schools, Augustana and some other schools, that were talking to me about track, and Iowa talked to me about walking on and stuff. But at that level, um, the sports at the division one level is just so demanding when you just do one. I just didn't want to, you know, go through doing two sports and balancing academics and all that. So I just decided to stick with the basketball and I never ever thought about doing track instead of basketball. Basketball's always been my first love. So as a person who loved the game of basketball in South Dakota, we played in the fall when you played. Um, what mm-hmm. was your summers like preparing for the season? Was it intense? Uh, I actually played softball in the summer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I played for Schaefer, window and siding, Wally's wheels, like shortstop, third base, second base. So I did that. And then obviously, you know, got ready in the, in the summer too for, went to open gyms and, worked on my basketball game too but yeah I also played softball but they didn't have it in the school so yeah so it was busy very busy but you didn't play volleyball in the winter when no when you were done with basketball no I just didn't really get into volleyball I don't know why (laughs) everybody's like why don't you go up for volleyball I was like yeah so I needed a little break sometimes so it's crazy uh, with this story here. Of course, when you graduated from Lincoln, you're the all-time leader in scoring, plus assists and steals. But it was just, what, five years ago, the daughter of Brookings, Amy Mickelson, who you played against so many years, uh, preventing you from getting a state title at Lincoln, Amy's daughter, Anna Breck, broke your all-time scoring record at Sioux Falls, Lincoln. 
Mm-hmm. You, you knew it was about to happen sooner or later sometime, didn't you, Steph? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Took 31 years yeah. to break it. Well, I'm at, you know, like his records are meant to be broken and someone's eventually going to break her record someday too. And someone will break my 43 point state tournament record too. So, you know, that's just the way the world works. And you just congratulate the person that does that. And, you know, I'm so happy for the title nine and the opportunities that has given women in sports and, and the people that have paved the way, the women that have paved the way even before I started, you know, um, everybody, you know, just paves the way for each other, no matter what year it is, what I did, people before me, and now the people that are there now. So uh, I'm just really fortunate that the girls and the women have the opportunity in sports that they do. Who had the biggest influence on you during your basketball career, from high school through college to the professional ranks? I'd say my dad. Yeah, he just, him coaching and being so knowledgeable with with the with the game and helping me so much with the recruiting process and and just the overall everything with the game um and just his his calmness you know and that's the way he was as a coach and that's how I was as a point guard and a player you know he didn't get overly overly anxious or overly you know uptight about situations there's always you got to stay calm in in tight situations and that's the way my dad was on and off the court all the time. And he definitely was the biggest influence for me. How many of those girls who played in South Dakota during your basketball career would have wound up in the WNBA? You know, that's a good question. I would have loved to to find out. And I would have loved the opportunity to possibly play in there um, or try at least. So, um, yeah, well, definitely Renee, Amy, a lot of those 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 girls would have would have made it and I hope I would have made it too and had that opportunity but I'm so glad that the girls now have an opportunity to play professional you know here in the United States you're busy uh, handling uh, seven-year-old twins but but what is next do you eventually want to get back into coaching and if it is is it going to be on the high school or the college or even maybe in the WNBA like a Becky Hammond uh no I think I'm done with the with the coaching I'm going to uh, you know, being 53 and, and kind of, you know, maybe if I was a little bit younger, but I just going to raise the kids and, and, uh, you know, be the best mom that I can for them and help them grow and learn the important lessons in life and being kind and doing the right thing and this and that. And that's, that's my goal right now is my kids. So when it comes to basketball for your twins, what's the most important aspect of the game? Do you talk about with them? having fun I mean they're not even seven yet I want them to have fun and enjoy themselves and be good sports um you know you don't have to be the best you know athlete out there but you need to be fun you need to be a good sport you need to be kind to your teammates and your opponents and that that's what I teach them in life that's the most important thing obviously I I love we love to win but that's not the most important thing the most important thing is being respectful um being courteous and being a good sport is one of your twins going to wear your number from Lincoln or from Iowa? <laughs> uh, I don't jersey? even know if they're going to play basketball. Brody <laughs> wants to play football. And my daughter wants to dance. So that's probably what we're looking at. <laughs> I, I, may, I may be cringing a little bit going to some of these dancing recitals, but <laughs> but whatever they want to do, it's, it's fine with me. I'll sure, support them. Sure. And when you think about, you know, you and I have talked a little bit now about your days at Lincoln High. What 
What do you remember the most right now when we talk about Lincoln High School girls basketball playing in the fall and um, all the scoring you did and the wins that you got and getting to the state tournament four years in a row? Uh, I guess I don't think about that. I just think about my teammates and my friends that I've made um, and what a great time that I had. You know, I don't know if you've ever got asked the question of if you had to go back in life, what age would you want to go back as? And mine would definitely be high school. I loved high school. I loved the, the time there. I loved my teachers, the coaches, teammates, friends, just the whole nine yards. I don't think of the, the scoring titles or the state tournaments. I just think about the relationships that, I, that I've made and the friendship. In Play with Craig Maddock, made possible by the exclusive support of Lake Area Technical College. It is you. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Maddock. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.